This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast where unfortunately we are going to be talking about another defeat, three defeats in the last three Premier League games. Of course, our Premier League season started all so well, uh, unbeaten in the first 10 and now defeats in the last three. I've got some very special guests to talk about today's game, but before I do, I would just like to say uh, that we... Uh, Of course, heard the very sad news earlier today about Terry Venables passing away at the age of 80 years old. Of course, he played over 100 games for Tottenham Hotspur between 1966 and 1969, winning the FA Cup with Spurs in 1967, uh, managing Tottenham between 1987 and 1991, and of course, was the last manager to lift Tottenham Hotspur and FA Cup in 1991. Uh, My condolences to all of his friends and family. Um, a sad loss for the football club and for football. Um, now, let me introduce my very special guest. We've got Josh Cowan back with us. Josh, welcome back. How are you? I'm very good, Chris. Yeah, like I just said to you before we started chatting, um, it's unfortunate that three three losses in a row now is becoming quite painful after such a fantastic start to the season. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it and I'm looking forward to a good chat today. We've also got actor Ricky Norwood back with us, of course, channel regular. Rick, how are you? And uh, give us a quick update on how the dancing on ice training goes. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I am cold. The UK is cold. It is dropped below, I don't know what, but it's cold out here. Um, so I've got my hot water bottle, I've got my scarf, I've got everything going, I've got a little blanket going as well. Um, Really frustrated with the game today. Really frustrated. I had a feeling after those first 20, 25 minutes that it wasn't going to be our day. And it was just a really frustrating one. I, you know, and we will get into it. On the dancing on the ice, it's going really well. Um, 
Yeah, getting a little bit by a little bit. Still, I, you know, it was only like Friday. I actually felt a bit like a skater, and it wasn't like a pretty skater. It was just a skater. You know, I was I was doing some bits what I couldn't do last week. So it felt good at the end of the week. But from next week onwards, me and my partner Annette, we start to choreograph the first routine um, for the first show. So. That's really exciting um, and a little bit scary all at the same time. But yeah, man, it's going really, really well. And I, I thank everybody uh, from the show, from the channel, all of those listeners and supporters and watchers that have sent love and support to me throughout this little journey. So thank you very much, guys. Sending you loads of love. But yes, I'm super frustrated about this game. So if you can hear tension in my voice, it's not about dancing and ice. It's about the game today. We will certainly get into every single aspect of it, Rick, but wishing you all of the very best with the Dancing on Ice project. Uh, looking forward to seeing you on the show. Uh, now, of course, Tottenham Hotspur 1, Aston Villa 2. Giovanni Lo Celso uh, was back in the team today. He put Tottenham Hotspur 1-0 up after 22 minutes, assisted by Pedro Porro. Uh, Pau Torres scored in stoppage time at the end of the first half. And then Ollie Watkins put Aston Villa 2-1 up. A number of disallowed goals in this game as well. Let's have a look at the match stats before we get the opinions of the panel uh, from today's game. Possession today, Tottenham 62% to Aston Villa's 38%. Shots, Spurs had a whopping 18 shots to Aston Villa's 15. It was a very, very open game. Shots on target, Spurs 8, Aston Villa 5. Corners, uh, Spurs had 9 to Aston Villa's 3. Fouls, Spurs 11, Aston Villa 13. And the league table now, Spurs have dropped out of the top four. Aston Villa go into that fourth spot. We have now played 13 games. We have won eight. We have drawn two. We have lost three. We have a goal difference of plus eight. We have 26 points. And just put this into a little bit of perspective. A third of the way through the season, we are only four points away from top spot. Yes, it is frustrating to lose three on the trot, especially today. But we are only four points away from our rivals, Arsenal. Um, Ricky, let's start today's show with you. Let's get your thoughts on today's game. You called it frustrating. I tell you what, I tweeted after 12 minutes. I think it could have been about 4-2 by that point. It was a very, very open game, as I said earlier. Um, chances galore. Um, Spurs, in my opinion, at halftime, we should have had the game uh, you know, put to bed. You know, So many opportunities. We didn't do that. Uh, we paid the price. I know uh, we'll get into the team lineup. We've made a, a number of changes, but a frustrating game, a frustrating day. A really frustrating game, Chris. Um, a really frustrating game. You know, the Chelsea game, all right, cool. Look, we started tremendously. Um, I predicted a 4-0, and the way that we started, I think we could have gone on to a 4-0. But obviously, two red cards, two injuries, totally derailed us. The way that we played with nine men, you know, some would call it heroics, some would call it shambolic. I'm on the heroic sense. Uh, against Wolves, we lost our way. I felt it was a very kind of old-looking Spurs, a very last season, season before-looking Spurs. And it didn't look like the Ange Postacoglu Spurs and, and with the energy and the zip and the attacking and the bravery that um, we've seen in this side, uh, especially in those first 10 games of this season. Today, there was a lot more energy. There was a lot more zip. I thought the changes really kind of helped the, the the side kind of rediscover that type of Ange ball. And, you know, after an international break as well, you know, when all of them are dealing with certain jet lags and, and, and tiredness and, and fatigue and stuff like that, for them to come out the way that they did and to play up until the last minute, really, um, 
the way that they did was was phenomenal. I thought. I thought there were so many bright sparks today. You know, I thought. You know, Brian Hill's first start. I thought. You know, he done well. He didn't do tremendous, but I thought he done well. Um, Lascelles, it's the best ninety minutes that I've seen of him in in a long, long, long time. Um, not just the goal, but his involvement, uh, his energy, the fact that he tracked back and defended as well as looking for that ball forward. He never stopped running. He kept on dribbling. Um, it was great to see Benton Coe back. You know, you, you, you can see the, the, the amount of quality that we've missed without him being in the side. And to see him go off um, with an injury. And, and it was a terrible tackle as well. Uh, to see him go off really was a, was a dampener. And I, I kind of felt at that moment it's going to be one of those games. You know, uh, we should have been 3 4 nil up in those first 20 minutes. We should have put the game to bed like you rightly said there, Chris. In the first half, the game should have been put to bed. Absolutely. Um, but it wasn't. We allowed uh, Villa back into the game. I felt Pau Torres could have scored that earlier header that he had. Okay, he missed it. That was a bit of a warning shot. Um, we didn't take that warning. We didn't learn from that warning uh, or that mistake. And we allowed him to get in right at the end of the first half, which put a totally different slant on that game coming into the second half. Villa came out. They were strong. They um, had a plan and brought on Telemans and, and uh, Leon Bailey to kind of, kind of use us on the break. Do you know what I mean? Let us have the possession. Let us have, you know, um, the, the the kind of the, the, the majority of the ball. But then their plan was to hit us on the break. And it worked, you know. Um, it worked. It worked. Uh, but I, I've got to give it to the boys. There were, there were a lot more positives with all of the injuries, suspensions, and trouble and disruption that we've had to this first eleven, to this, to this, to our first team. I felt that the boys done really well. I felt that we could have, should have come out of that game with a win. Um, there was, there was a lot to be happy about, but the same old frustrations were there as well. Do you know what I mean? So, a really tough game to take. Um, it got to about seventy minutes, and I was like, can, can they blow the whistle now? I'm, I'm pretty much done with this. You know, especially with their time wasting and their. And the rolling around on the floor and all of that jazz, you know, it started to get to get to me. So it's a really tough game to watch. There are lots of positives there with this kind of second string first team. Um, but yeah, a really frustrating watch. And I, I was fuming by the end of it. Joining us also is David Harris from the Irish Hotspur. David, how are you? And uh, give us your thoughts on today's game. Yeah, look, thanks for having me. Uh, good evening, gentlemen, and uh, Chris and Chat. Hopefully, you're all keeping well. Look, it's it's a it's a bitter pill to swallow, right? I think one of them. It's there's plenty of positives, but it's the same old lessons that we don't learn coming back to sort of sort of haunt us. I mean, we're all going into this game with trepidation, and a bit of fear, and then I think I'd speak for a lot of people. We we seen the lineup and we were excited. It gave us renewed energy, renewed optimism, something different, a bit fresh. And it was working. It was absolutely working. And, you know, I can only say what you guys have already said. We should have had the game killed off in the first 15 minutes, you know. And I, I was a bit worried that them missed chances would come back to haunt us. And ultimately, it end up, it has come back to haunt us. But the problem is, is that before, like, we we were hanging on to these tight games, you know. We would be able to keep clean sheets with Van Aven and Romero. Since they've gone out injured and the suspensions and stuff like that, we haven't been able to keep it, which now means we have to up our goal output. We have to start taking some of them chances we are creating, and we failed to do that. But 
And, and Gio Lavani Lacelso, actually, you know, I've been one of the guys on his case, but he presently surprised me today. He really came in and gave us a good performance. But that Bentecourt injury for me changed the game. Bentecourt done exactly what we needed. He wanted the ball in tight spaces, getting on it, getting turned, taking players out of the game, putting great balls in behind, bringing people into play. Soon as that injury happened, Hoiberg came in. And look, I actually think Hoiberg had a decent game, especially in the yeah. second half. But for the when he came in for that first period of first half, every time he got the ball, it was backwards, backwards, backwards. And it was really starting to annoy me a little bit, all the way back to Vicario a lot of the times. But as well, switching off just before, you know, halftime or full-time. We've seen it last week with Wolves or two weeks ago with Wolves. You're thinking, okay, surely that won't happen now, you know, against Aston Villa the next game. And it happened, switching off from this from a set piece. And it's been a problem at Tottenham for the last three to four or five years. Switching off at set pieces, we're very, very vulnerable. And then from there, we just, we get rattled and we can't see out the game. And it's the same old arguments in the back line of the strength and depth coming back to haunt us. Maybe not signing a striker in the summer coming back to haunt us. Because I argue if you had an out-and-out striker, you'd probably go on and win that game. you take a lot of them chances. So, look, a lot of positives. Very frustrating. Very frustrating. We did sign a striker in the uh, in the transfer window, Davis. Just uh, we signed a young striker that perhaps needs a little bit more experience. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the January transfer window shortly as well. Um, Josh, let's get your thoughts on today's game. Three defeats now in our last three games. Yeah, it's very frustrating. I, I agree with the lads. Um, however, I think it's important as well. Although we can criticise Tottenham all we want, I think you do have to give a little bit of credit to Villa today, especially defensively. The amount of times they were playing great offside traps and catching out the Spurs attackers was commendable today. And it was definitely, I definitely, it was a, it was kind of observable thing that Unai Emery set them up very well today. And and although maybe they didn't deserve it in an attacking sense, defensively they were very impressive. But in terms of Tottenham, I think we started really well, as the boys have said. Uh, kind of for me, it, it mirrored the Chelsea game a bit. Like we started really well, and then the game just unravelled from there. And I think from that, we can take like a bit of analysis. We can take the system is there for Tottenham. I think in the long term, we're secure under Ange. I think there's nothing there that's like, oh, no, we're in trouble. So people need to start calling out Ange and we're in, we're in, a, we're in a, a bit of a sticky situation. I think long term, we're all right under Ange. We can see what he's trying to do. The attacking football's there. I'd rather lose games like we did today, playing attacking football, than sitting back and losing a game 2-1 because we've parked the bustle game like we did under Conte or Jose. I don't have that feeling inside me as a fan, that kind of longing for, oh, what if we just like tried, why don't we just play a bit more attacking football instead of parking the bustle game? I, at the end of the day, we did. We actually had a lot of a lot of shots. The the, the, the game that I was, the stream that I was watching uh, with all these stats were coming up saying we'd had like kind of, three times as many uh, touches in the boxes as Villa. The system's there, Chris. The system is there. But in the short term, we are simply just going to struggle because the quality is not there because we've lost all of the, all these players to injuries, as the lad said. Um, and a makeshift back line with two wing-backs at centre-back, is, is, it's not going to work. We are going to suffer. I mean, you've got, you've got Emerson playing centre-back, who's, who's not a natural centre-back, and he was not getting goal-side, and he was he was... It was it was having trouble and Davis as well for that Pal Torres header just didn't get goal side and, and a good finish from Torres there um, losing these these great centre backs to injury and to suspension when we've lost Mickey Van der Ven and Romero 
probably the best centre-back pairing in, in the league. They were so solid for us. It's, it's killed us defensively, Chris. And we're going to suffer. I think we are going to really suffer. And we're, we're seeing that we're suffering because we lost three in a row. And with City, with Newcastle and with West Ham coming up, surely it can't continue. We, we, something's got to change because we, we can't just keep dropping points. Um, so hopefully oh, it's, it's not looking great. And I hate, I hate to be a doomsayer, but... I don't know where we go from here, Chris, because if we keep playing like this and we're going to keep getting done because of our defensive woes, then we are going to keep dropping points. I love how you say it can't continue, but we've got Manchester City up next, next Sunday. Top of the Premier League, well, second in the Premier League. Um, of course, champions. Um, Ricky, I want to touch on uh, what Josh and Dave have both mentioned because Dave said he was pleased that um, this side was refreshed today. Now, two right-backs, two left-backs, Dyer and Hoybier on the bench, you know, two senior players on the bench, where I know these players have been criticised a lot, but should Andrew have put these players in today? Um, the starting eleven, and of course, Benton Kerr was back as well. Brian Hill started, uh, Giovanni de Celso, you know, he had an opportunity to shine today. So the, the, the starting eleven as follows, Vicario, Poro, Royale, uh, Davis, Udogi, Kulisewski, Benton Kerr, Celso, Brian Hill, Son and Johnson, subs... Uh, Forster, Austin, Dorrington, uh, Dyer, Skip, Hoybier, Donnelly and Viles. Um, did Ange get it right today in terms of personnel in the starting eleven? For me, Chris, he did. For me, it's a brave lineup. It's it's an Ange lineup. It's an attacking lineup. Um, I think I felt that Kulu going in at number ten, I thought was a fantastic um, choice. Uh, bringing in Lacelso, left centre mid. Really, really good, and and again, bringing in Benton to to play in that kind of six-stroke pivot role, he was doing fantastic in that role. Um, I, I thought it was a really attacking, brave lineup that he chose, and it it looked more like Angeball than it than the last, well, the last game I should say against Wolves. Um, I think that we've had trouble with Dyer being in the back line. And reason being is just because we play such a high line, he hasn't got the pace to, to, to recover, as well as these other kind of frailties, as well as these other little weaknesses. You know, it, we don't play to Dyer's strengths to, to, to bring him in, and, and we're not going to change that system. So I can understand why he put Emerson Royal there. I can also understand that Emerson Royal isn't a centre back, and, you know, he's, he's not going to have that awareness of like let me head this away or let me kind of get a sliding challenge in here you know but he's good at taking the ball dribbling it up the field finding the pass getting the ball moving take you know and and creating a bit of havoc that Romero's that we're used to seeing with Romero obviously he's nowhere near what Romero is as a center back but I thought it was a good alternative to do that um, <clears throat> on the left centre back, <clears throat> Davies. <clears throat> Davies, you know, he, he he always puts in a shift for us. Um, he always does the best that he can do. And where we're down to bare bones, I thought that you know, he, he came in and 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 done the best that he could do in in today's game and and in the previous games that he's he's been in. Is it good enough? Well, we all know that we haven't got <clears throat> the squad to fulfil a, a, an Ange Postecoglou squad. We know that. Um, so I suppose the answer is no, but I thought I felt that he done the best that he could do, you know. Um, but yes, I do feel that Ange made the right choice in the lineup. 
you could see that it was working. It was working for a very long time. I think that the injury to Benteke, again, like the boys have said, changed the game for us again. Um, you know, Hoiberg did come in. You know, he could have scored that goal today. It, it was a great save by Martinez. Um, and he, Hoiberg is a person that is always, is, 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 since we bought him, has always been ready for the fight. Do you know what I mean? He's he's very professional, but he's always ready for the fight. He's always ready to put in the shift and 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 to kind of you know to to kind of put his head on the line for the team. But again, within Hoiberg's weaknesses, it it, it doesn't play towards Ange Ball's strengths. You know, I think we saw that when I think it was a friendly game when Hoiberg was playing, and he and instead of passing the ball forward, he just kicked it long. And Ange went crazy at him. Do you know what I mean? And and he didn't start a game after that for a while. <clears throat> so that was the Shakhtar Donetsk game, yeah. That, so yeah, so it was that one, right? Yeah. So after that, he did, you know, Hoiberg didn't play again, and he's been the the guy that comes off the bench to kind of shore it up, or to calm things down, or to 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 kind of be that experience in the midfield. And again, he had to come off the bench and and, and do those things, you know. Um, so I think the game changed. I think that towards the end, um, with all of the effort that we put in, I think the last 15 minutes of the 90, we started to run out of steam a little bit, but we kept pushing, we kept fighting, we kept trying. You know, we had a hat trick of offside goals today. You know, uh, you know, Kulu had two shots, which an inch either way could have been goals. Do you know what I mean? Um, so the, the attacking play and the forward pressing and all of the things that Ange wants from a side, we saw in, in, in that kind of revised first team lineup today. So I think he made the right choices, bro. And it was just unfortunate that this premiership is such a tough league and a team like Aston Villa, who are on the up, who have got a lot to prove, who are underdogs themselves, do you know what I mean? Like, they're going to take their chances right now. You know, they've got a bona fide centre-forward in, in, in Watkins up front. They've got um, a, a pretty strong lineup. We know about Paul Torres because we was linked with him forever and we thought that he was going to be our left centre-back before Lungley came in. And um, so we, we know his strengths and, um, and we know what he would have done for us. So... He's a quality player. They've got some quality players in that side and they've got a lot to prove. So they were up for the fight. They wasn't just going to concede defeat to us. So do I think he made the right choice? Absolutely, bro. And it's probably the side, depending on what Benzinko's injury is like, hopefully it's just a knock. Um, but it's probably going to be the side that goes up against Man City next week. We'll come on to that. Um, just a couple of interesting facts. The last five home games, including today against Aston Villa in the Premier League, uh, have been under five different managers, Pochettino, Mason, Nuno, Conte, and now Postacoglu. And uh, Emery, the Aston Villa boss, is unbeaten in all six league games against Spurs. He certainly knows how to play Tottenham Hotspur. Um, Dave, just uh, want to ask you the same question about the starting eleven. Would that have been the team, if, if, you, if you'd have chosen the Spurs starting eleven today, would that have been the team that you would have gone with? I'll be honest, I probably would have went one further and I would have took out Ben Davies and uh, brought in, uh, you know, Darrington. Because for me, look, uh, although Davies is, you know, this is the problem with Davies. He comes in, he'll have a good game like he did last week and then he'll have a poor game like he did today. For me, I blame him for both goals. He 
lost Paul Torres for the run, but the mm. second goal, he lets yeah. Ollie Watkins drop, drop in to receive the ball unchallenged and then doesn't follow the run in behind him either. So, you know, th- th- this is the problem. You get one good game, you get one bad game. But overall, I think Postacoglu got the team selection absolutely spot on. I didn't want to see Dyer in the team again. I didn't want to see Hoiberg in the six. You know, I wanted Bentecourt in there. For me, he sort of he freshened up and it gave me a bit of hope going into it. And for large periods of the game, it was working. It was working, but unfortunately, the strength in depth uh, because of injuries and suspensions and stuff like that, it's it's come back to haunt us today. If we had, you know, a, another player off the bench, you know, not not relying on a, a Valise who, look, he brought him in, but he was never going to be able to come in here and produce anywhere near what Harry Kane was ever, uh, what Harry Kane was producing us. So you're asking an awful lot from him. But if we had a senior player off the bench that maybe could have came in and offered us something a little bit different towards the end, I felt like the press tired out, uh, faded out. I felt like we faded out going forward near the end of the game. No one really wanted to keep making runs in behind. Everyone wanted the ball to feet, which actually helped Filler uh, towards the end of the game. So if we if we had them options off the bench, maybe another day we could be sitting here speaking about a different result. Same thing in the back line. Um, but ultimately, I, I actually think Prostacoglu was brave. You know, it's a, a lot of managers have continued to pick Eric Dyer, even though he's been absolutely really poor over his Spurs career, in my opinion, but they've continued to stuck with him and ultimately they've ended up dying on that sword, whereas Postacoglu didn't do that today. He said, OK, I'll put Emerson in there. A lot of managers have continued to pick Hoiberg he, um, and he didn't do that today. He went for something different. So for me, I, I applaud Postacoglu. I think he made the correct decisions. Um, Dave, look, can I, I think, Dave, can I ask, who, who do you think Postacoglu trusts? We all know the best starting eleven, you know, and we all knew as Spurs fans the second mm. that we, we were going to get one, two, three, four injuries to this starting eleven, we were going to struggle because, of course, the the fringe players, the squad players, if you like, they're nowhere near as good as the starting mm. eleven. We all know that, and of course, we've got all these injuries, all these suspensions. Who do you think Postecoglou does trust? Because I know you said that you thought that Lacelso played well today. Apart from the goal, I don't think that he really shined and, and showed us that he should be in the starting eleven week to week. You may disagree. Um, that's just my mm. opinion. Um, you know, when you got Brian Hill, you know, playing today, these are about like grabbing the opportunities. And I think mm. that some of these players have had so many opportunities under you know various different managers. And I think that players like them two certainly are playing for their futures. Do you mm. think that they've done enough, them two? Um, and the others, do you think that they have done enough to to say to Postacoglu, I want to be here, I am good enough to play for this football club, I am good enough to knock on your door to try and get in that start 11 in future months when all the other players are back? Um, look, I thought Brian Hill was good in terms of keeping possession, but sometimes, you know, today I was looking at him and I wanted to take on his man a bit more, be a bit more pro- proactive going forward. You know, he got the ball a lot of times and sort of recycled it backwards or back inside. I'm not sure if we get in, if, if you know, when, when we get players back, that maybe he done enough today, despite how good I thought he was, you know, in terms of in, on the ball, in possession, keeping it and not really losing it. I don't think he's done enough to keep that position. Lacelso, look, I actually thought Lacelso was good today. I thought he was picking up the ball, getting turned, trying to play people, you know, forward. And he gave us that bit of different bit of passing option, maybe that we didn't have in that midfield today. Um, I think he's probably done enough to uh, retain his place uh, uh, next week, to be honest with you. I do. Well, it depends on on Bentecourt's injury as well. But, well, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, actually, on reflection. Maybe he hasn't done actually uh, enough 
to, to, to warrant that place. Because if you got Sar coming back in, he's tried and trusted by Pastor Coglu. We've seen that. I presume he'll be back. Um, if Pentecor's injury isn't too bad, I presume he'll be back in there. So maybe not. Maybe you're right. But in terms of players, I think who does he trust out of maybe some of the players that have been around here a long time? I think it's clear he doesn't trust Eric Dyer um, after dropping him today. I think that's 100% clear because he was he was happy to let him go this summer, only that Dyer didn't want to go. Look, despite whether I think Davies is good enough, I do think Ange Postacoglu trusts him. I think he trusts Toyberg to a certain degree, but then again, he was you know, he didn't stand in his way if he wanted to leave last summer. So I think it's uh, look, I think it's pretty clear who he trusts and who he doesn't trust. But for me, I say just get rid of the whole lot of them. They've had long enough at Tottenham, multiple different managers, like you said, Chris. We keep you know we, we get this initial burst when we have the first 11, but for for the last number of years now, in around November, October, November, things have come crumbling down. It's when Pochettino got sacked in around these months. It's when uh, we were top of the league and it fell off under Jose. Conte last season, it's when it really fell off. We were up there around the top. And also with Nuno, we got off to a good start and he got sacked in around these months. And the problem is, is the strength in depth. We do not do enough in all the transfer windows in years gone by. So when these games come taken fast in around these periods, combine them with cup games, we pick up injuries, suspensions. We turn around to the same old guys every single time to dig us out of a hole, expecting a different result, which is the definition of insanity. And we keep getting the same answers. And, um, uh, you know, we're, I've been asking this question all week. Are we at a crossroads? Because, you know, we, we keep doing this. We, we come to a crossroads and we keep going down the same road every single time. Um, and, and it's not going to get sorted out until we do do more in the transfer market to help rotate more of this squad, push some of these older players out. I keep hearing, yes, they want to be here. That's great. But word service and actual performances on the pitch are two complete different things. And with performances on the pitch and how much they cost us, I'd argue, okay, they may want to be here, but you have to be tougher and forcing these guys out the door. And every manager is going to be keep letting down during this period. And it, look, it's the same pattern every single year for the last three to four years. And I, I, I'm, I'm fed up with it. You know, in order to get out of this, we need a squad where a manager trusts all of his players. That when things do go wrong, he doesn't... We're not sitting here questioning the manager going, oh, should he change his system? Should he adjust his tactics to suit so-and-so? No, a manager has his style, his philosophy. It's up to us to provide him the full squad to do it with. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We know that's going to take time though, Dave. And I think we can all see, uh, you know, great signs going forward mm. under Foster Coglu. But of course, we've all got to accept yet again that it is going to take time yeah. before he builds a squad that can challenge and, and, and can cope with this amount of injuries 
and suspensions that we've got. Um, and Postacoglu in his press conference has just come out and said, um, yeah, again, the outcome is obviously disappointing. Disappointing for our fans and particularly disappointing for our players because I felt the players we had out there did a fantastic job playing the football we want to play. On another day, it's probably a game that we win comfortably. Um, mm. It's not about those fine margins in football. Um, not happy with the defeat, but as a manager, when you put the team out there, what you're looking for is some real belief and intent and the team we want to be. And I saw loads of that today. Uh, very similar, I think, to what you said, uh, Ricky. Um, Josh, do you want to um, give us your thoughts on the starting eleven before we talk about the match instance? And I, I also want you guys to think about who you give uh, player of the match to as well. Yeah, I, I agree with that, what everyone said as well. I think there's nothing much more Ange could do. He, he's been dealt cards that are unfortunate. He can't dig us out of this hole. The players have dug us into this hole by, one, getting those suspensions, Romero getting sent off, Basuma getting all the yellow cards, two key players getting uh, kind of sh shut out in that sense, and then all these injuries as well, which is not his fault as well. Um, so it's nothing much more Ange could do. I think that's exactly the exact side that I would have picked myself. Um, I, I agree with Dave, maybe putting in Dorrington, maybe seeing a bit of Jamie Donnelly. I know they're young boys, but you've got to remember in, in situations like this, when we are kind of in the mud uh, in terms of injuries, um, when you look at, look towards like, or look backwards in football history, Mar someone like Marcus Rashford emerged as a young football player because of an injury crisis at Man United. And he came on in, in a Europa League game and then got going. Given opportunity. Yeah, give an opportunity to, to Jamie Donnelly. He might dig us out. He might establish himself in the first team. And there we go. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's much more Ange could do in that sense. Um, I think we're just unlucky. The, the cards we've been dealt is, is quite horrific. It's, it's very Spursy. Everything was going so perfectly well. And then it's all just the, the, the like a Jenga block. It's all just come tumbling down because of the injuries and because of the, the cards we've been dealt. Um, but I think what we'll see is a similar situation to if you look, think back to how Marcelo Bielsa was at Leeds. He was very rigid with the way that he structured his team and he wanted his team to play one way and they were always going to play that way. I think what we'll see is Ange, Ange, like he said in all these press conferences, he wants Tottenham to play in this attacking way. He's not going to change that. We're not going to see defensive football, although we did against Wolves and, and we got punished for that. Um, and I think it will come good. I think we, when we get the players back from, from injury, when we get the players back from suspension, I think we'll start moving forward again. But at the moment, we are going to struggle. Just, just on that quickly, one thing that frustrates me a little bit is you know, we talk about the strength in depth, but that can be created by giving some of these youngsters that opportunity. In years gone by, no manager at Tottenham Hotspur has really sort of wanted to do that. You look at Newcastle the other day, 17-year-old kid in midfield the last couple of weeks, and he's been absolutely superb for them. Liverpool last year, you know, Liverpool always blowed one or two youngsters through. A lot of clubs do it. But Tottenham are one of the only clubs that don't do it. And in these times, we keep turning back to the same individuals. It's, when are we going to start looking down at the under-21s and giving some of them guys their opportunity and turn to them? It's one of the reasons he was employed, though, Dave, because uh, he's going to give you the chance. Are you surprised? Mm. I know you said that you'd like to have seen Dorrington in the, the starting eleven. 
personally for me, I think it is a, a, a massive step up in such a huge game to give someone their debut or one of their first yeah, yeah. games um, as a youngster, you know, because playing in the under-21s is very, very different to playing in the Premier League. You know, it's a completely different level. But are you surprised that the likes of him and Donnelly haven't made their um, competitive debuts for, for the first team yet? I'm very surprised, Chris. Look, I hear what you're saying with Darrington, right? But Ledley King made his debut against Liverpool. Jaffa Tanganga made a debut against Liverpool and they handled it. You know, sometimes you just have to give the guy that opportunity. But in terms of Donnelly, I mean, look, I think we'll all agree here. I think we all watch the under-21s. I know you go to the games, Chris, and fair play to you. It's a lot of effort you take to support this club. But he's head and shoulders above everybody else. In terms of what Postacoglu is looking for, you're looking at a guy relentless pressing all game long, consistent team from in the under-21s. Then you look at the the, the, the quality, that's there. He, he, he was a striker, he's been dropped to more of a, a creative midfielder, a cam, and he's still producing in terms of goals and assists. Technically, he's head and shoulders above everyone else. There today, you could see Brian Gill was dying on his ass with the last 10, 15 minutes that he was blowing. We bring on Skip. Why are we turning to Ollie Skip? Bring on Jamie Donnelly. Let him just say to him, look, exactly what you've been doing for the under-21s, go out and do that. Give the kid a chance to see if he can change the game. And I'm surprised Posta Coglu didn't turn to him. I don't know why, but I hope he learns very quickly. He learned with Eric Dyer, he made that change. Hopefully now that he learns, he might have to start turning to some of these guys. And he, Because my opinion is, Work rate beats talent every day of the week. And some of the guys we have have talent, but don't have the work rate or, the, or maybe the bottle to go with it. But someone like the youngster, you've got that talent and that work rate beats it every single day of the week. So why not turn to them and give them an opportunity? Why do we keep turning back to players that we've looked to dig us out of a hole that haven't done it the last four or five years? The mass, some of them are partly responsible for the higher turnover managers, the high squad turnover, etc., like that. So let's just cut the crap. Let's start going with the project. This is what he's here to do. Let's go with it. You know what? To be, to, to be fair, I, I, I do think that Posta Cogli had, an, and this is just me guessing. It's not like I have any insight, but I, I, I do think that he was thinking about putting Phillips in today instead of Emerson Royale. And then when he's come back injured from, from in, in, international duty, I think that that kind of... It put put a spanner in the works and he's put in Emerson Royale there. Also, I do think that having Dorrington and Donnelly on the bench, who have been outstanding for, for, for a little while now, and they are growing week in, week out, year in, year out. I think his plan was to like do what we do what we should have done in the first half, go three, four nil up, then 60, 70, 75 minutes, bring them on and slowly bleed them into the game. I think what he's probably thinking is that to put that pressure on young shoulders, especially, you know, Dorrington being in the back line, I, I think he's trying to take that pressure away, in a sense, by kind of putting in experienced players um, and, and kind of going back to the same thing. But I'm with you. I'm with you, Dave. Like, I, I'm totally with you in the sense of if you're going to put Phillips in, then why not give Dorrington a go? Um, again, he's been fantastic. Um, and Donnelly, I think, you know, there is something really special about that that, that, that mm -hmm. player right there. And I, I really do look forward to seeing what he brings to the table when he when he does get some minutes, you know. Um, but these are the options that we've got now. We are definitely going to be seeing them in the weeks to come, bro. We're mm -hmm. definitely going to be seeing them in the weeks to come because we've got no other options right now. You know, I do know that Romero comes back. We're going to have Basuma back, so that's going to help. But again, you know, we're going to have problems with those gaps that are missing, bro.
the thing is, there's never a perfect opportunity to give a youngster. That's a goal. right. There's never, you know, you would say early rounds of the cups, but every manager is using the early rounds of the cups to figure out his squad. And then, hey, presto, we're knocked out. So the opportunities aren't there. And at some stage, we have to bite the bullet and just give them an opportunity. There's never a perfect time to do it. He'll certainly get his opportunities. I've, I've no doubt about that, Dave. Uh, certainly, uh, Jamie Donnelly, who, who you say has been absolutely uh, brilliant this season uh, so far for the under-21s. Um, Ricky, let's come back to you. Um, I just want to get your opinion on the uh, first five minutes of the game because it was so open. It was end-to-end stuff. Villa had a chance, first of all. Spurs then had a chance through Destiny Udoggy, blasting over the bar. Kulisewski then hit the post. Having done all the hard work, it just seemed that the... Uh, the final bit he had to do, um, it didn't quite go in. Um, then Aston Villa uh, had a chance, terrible defending from us, um, and one of their players headed wide, completely unmarked in the box. That was the first five minutes. It could have very easily been, you know, two-two after the first five minutes. An incredible start, uh, you know, of the game. What, what, what were you thinking by that point? I, I was thinking that we, we was going to go on and steamroll them, to tell you the truth. I felt that, that the energy was back, the zip was back. Um, it felt fresh again. It felt like the 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 angible that we, we saw for the first 10 games. And, you know, with a changed side, um, with a second string first team, um, I, I felt it was really positive. Um, I thought we was going to go on. I thought we would have conceded one. But I, I, I felt that we would have scored more. I, I thought Johnson on the, on the right hand side, uh, you know, when he did have the ball and when he and when he did get into some uh, good positions, I thought his pace was fantastic. I thought, you know, if it wasn't for some good defending by Villa, half of the crosses that he pulled back into the box would have found their man, and who knows what would have happened there, you know. So um, after those first five minutes, Chris, I, I honestly thought that we was going to go on to win. 3-1, you know, if not 4-1, you know, I thought we were just going to build, build, build and do what the boss says. We, you know, never stop and just continue to push, press and and to kind of run them into the ground, almost like score them out of any belief in getting back into the game. But, you know, as soon as we let them back in, I mean, that, that's what I'm saying about that Pau Torres, the, the, the first header in that first five minutes, that was the warning shot. That's the warning shot. That's when... You, you you need like Emerson and, and, and Davies and, and the back line to go, all right, cool, let's keep, get our heads in the game. Here. You know, this is something that we need to be aware of. Um, but again, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I mean, you, that that could have been, that first header from Paul Torres, that could have been the 1-1 easy in the first half. But I do feel if that would have happened, then we would have gone on to score another one. Do you know what I mean? But it was right at the end of the first half. There was a lot of energy that was that, that we put into that first half and we didn't really get what we deserved, I I, I felt there. Um, and then, you know, the second half is the second half. Ricky, give me your um, thoughts on uh, Brian Hill's performance because, of course, you know, he's gone out on loan. Um, he's come back. He's found now under a different manager again. Uh, started today because of all the injuries and suspensions we've got. Did he grab his opportunity, in your opinion, today? I, I felt that he was bright. I felt that he was energetic. I felt that, you know, there was times that he... he um, when he did get the ball, he dribbled round players, you know, round the Aston Villa lot. You know, he wasn't scared to take on a player. But the one problem with Brian is that it's, it's 
a bit easy to defend against him. You know, I felt that the, some of the Aston Villa players, all they done was stand still. They just stood in front of him because he he looks like on TV he looks like he's four foot compared to the rest of the the, the players. And you know, Villa have got a big defensive unit there. You know, so he he, he did look tiny, and it, it didn't look like they they they, they needed to be much intelligence in, in the way that Villa defended against him. All they had to do was stand still and block him off and that was it. Do you know what I mean? So it was bright. Um, I thought it was energetic. I, I still don't think we've seen the best of Brian. I, I think that we have to take into consideration that was his first start in a very long time. Um, but there, there, there were some encouraging signs. It's all about how he builds on it and and if he actually takes this opportunity that he's got with with the injuries and suspensions and stuff so it's all up to him right now um i'm sure he's going to get more chances and it's up to him if some of those flicks and tricks came off my gosh you know um but villa's defensive unit were a little bit too savvy for him i feel Dave, let's come to you. In the eighth minute, Brian Hill had a shot at Martinez, uh, saved, and then Pedro Porro with the rebound uh, went over the bar. Uh, in the 13th minute, Brennan Johnson crossed to Son, uh, missed over the bar. What did you make of uh, Son's performance today? Frustrating. Very, very frustrating. You know, he's the guy that, whether he likes it or not, and look, some would argue, you know, this is, this is what he wanted. He wanted to be that main man, the guy that steps up, that difference maker that Harry Kane once was. This is his opportunity to do it. And look, for large parts of this season, he has done it. Well, against Wolves, he went missing. When you're looking for someone senior up in that forward line to grab it by the scruff of the neck, didn't do it today. Look, in the right places, but, you know, I mean, the one, the, the Dave, one what, that he put over the bar. Sorry to interrupt. Missing or no service in that Wolves game? Look, I'll be honest. I, I would, I would go. I would say a bit of both. I would say, yeah, probably a lack of service. But anytime the ball came to his feet, he lost it. You know, he, he's got to do better in that regard. There was a couple of times the ball came to his feet in the Wolves game. And he had a chance to lay it off, and he missed places to pass. That's not like Sonny, and that's not good enough from the guy that we're expecting to lead this line. But Look, in terms of today, I mean, that 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 sitter you missed where he put over the bar on Mark was inexcusable. He's got all the time in the world to take a touch and just stroke that home. And usually Son does. But look, I sort of had questions, you know, could Son carry the mantle on from Harry Kane? Because that's what he ultimately has to do. I don't know if people say get over Harry Kane, they're fine. But this is what Son is tasked to do. And I had my doubts whether he could do it and where or, or not. And for me, see, as well, last season you had, or in seasons gone by, you had Son and Kane scoring goals. Now you've just got Son. And the responsibility is all on him. And I just wonder, is that pressure starting to get on top of him a little? Um, look, time, time would tell. But look, Son, Son needs to be doing, he needs to be taking them chances. He has to be, that's his job. That's what he gets paid to do. He's wanted to be the main man up front. And he's there. you gotta, you got to take them chances. I'm one that usually gives Son, you know, excuses when he has an off day and you know back them a large periods of last season you know telling people that he's been playing through injury and stuff like that but today he's not good enough he has to be taking them chances he's the leader in that line his club captain has to Josh let's come to you in the 18th minute Benton Kerr um, played a ball over the top Pedro Poro um, was in a great position to shoot himself decided not to shoot himself wanted to pass to Son it was then cut out 
Now, I know I'm going to probably get shouted at here. I watch a lot of the uh, Bayern Munich highlights because I'm interested to see what Harry Kane's up to and how many goals he's scoring and how he's getting on. Um, I know a lot of people won't like that, but that's the way it is. Um, now, when I see one of the Bayern Munich players, none of them are looking, you know, like Spurs players used to do last season and, and before that, of where's our main man up front? We're looking for our main man. They just shoot. They shoot. If they've got an opportunity, they shoot, as do all of the top teams. Why is it that a number of our players, and I could probably point out a number of instance, instances today in today's game where it happened, where they're, they're wanting to play the pass rather than take the opportunity opportunity themselves. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure, Chris. I, honestly, I, I don't have an answer to it, and I see it as well. And I, my, I was watching with my with my flatmate, Hark Kieran, who's also a Spurs fan. And uh, we were sitting there going, why are you squaring it? We, we just kept squaring it constantly. I don't know if it's a lack of confidence, which is odd because at the beginning of the season, it seemed like the goals were flowing from all across the pitch in all different positions. So lots of players were scoring, um, which is, was, was a difference compared to last season where we did just have Harry Kane scoring a lot of our goals. Um, so I don't know if it's a lack of confidence or another theory could be potentially a bit like I went the, one of the games I went to this season uh, from uni uh, was up to see Tottenham Fulham, and that was a game after the the first game after an international break, a bit like today where we've just had an international break, and I feel like maybe it's the maybe it's just a lack of cohesion, maybe. Uh, they haven't been together for, for, for a long period of time because they've just all been away playing for their international teams. So maybe they're just lacking that, that cutting edge. And it, it felt today almost like I've, I've made this analogy before, but Wolverhampton Wanderers used to play a specific type of football where they'd have about 30 shots a game and wouldn't shoot and like wouldn't score many goals. Today, we had so many, you've shown us the stats, Chris, we had so many chances, so many attempts would just square it, wouldn't, wouldn't like put it away couldn't get it in the onion bag um and i think it's i don't know it's just it's very strange it, it felt like something was off it, it really did feel i think it was either ricky or dave said it just felt like it wasn't our day it, it, you just, sometimes you just get that weird feeling as a fan and unfortunately that's what we had today so i don't know if it's a lack of confidence I don't know if it's it could be because of the international break but we have got to sort it out because we can't just keep going into every game having having kind of superior statistics, having these great attempts, but just kind of mucking up and making mistakes in the final third. Uh, it's, it's just going to cost us, Chris. The, the reason I ask that question really is because I know that Postacoglu probably won't be happy with that because he's attacking play. He likes, you know, it's a result in a goal. You know, I, I could tell that very early on in pre-season, you know, the all of the attacking drills that, they were doing in uh, in pre-season were absolutely sensational. And it wasn't like that uh, that we've seen today and, and in previous Premier League games. So I'm so sure that Postacoglu will work on that. Um, Ricky, let's come to you. In the 20th minute, Brian Hill um, crossed into Hunmin Son, couldn't quite get there to head in. Um, and then, of course, Spurs went 1-0 up through Giovanni Lo Celso. It took a slight deflection. We'll talk about the goal in a second. Um, but Postacoglu, in his press conference just now, on La Celso, he said, I thought Giovanni La Celso played really well today in the role that we had for him. He was creative and scored a good goal. Uh, he was always threatening and uh, worked hard. He hasn't played a lot of football. The reality of it is that we're not going to get too many back. Uh, we will get Pasuma back for next week, but we may have lost uh, Benton Kerr now. 
We've only had uh, six or seven on the bench today, so everyone who is here at the moment is going to have to play a part, uh, which kind of answers my question that I, that I asked earlier. People like Brian Hill, people like Giovanni Lacelso, they've got opportunities now. Um, I know we've spoke about, do, do you think that Lacelso took his opportunity? Let's talk about the goal, um, a good finish. Um, what did you make of it? I thought, I thought, I thought it was a great goal. Um, you know, he struck it like a rocket. And yes, there was a, a, a mini deflection on there. But uh, I, I think Martinez would have found it difficult to save that anyway. Um, it was such a beautiful strike. But for, for me, what was really kind of insightful was seeing Gio's reaction to that goal. The way that he celebrated that goal, it was, it was massive. And... You know, Gio hasn't started a game in two years. You know, um, I remember seeing some of the games back in the day where he might have started or he might have come off, but I didn't see much want or I didn't see much effort or I didn't see much kind of drive to change the game or to, to, to influence the game or to kind of make us as fans or the manager look at him and go, yeah, you're my guy. Today, I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of his running and his want and his drive to kind of make an impact. That's why I was impressed with him more. He might not have been outstanding. He might not have been like a, you know, a, a match-winning performance. But I saw a, um, a, a lot of... The, the, I saw a lot of good attitude from him. Do you know what I mean? Like we've seen many reports over the last couple of weeks that Oh, he might be wanting to go in January. He, you know, he, you know, he could be, he, he could be kind of, he could have had enough of waiting for his turn. But we all know, as fans, that he's had injuries. He's had, you know, he's been out of the team. He's been untrusted to bring it back to your word there, Chris, for a long, long time. And for him to come in today and show that effort and desire, and to and to see that reaction from the goal, I thought that was a positive thing. And he hasn't been involved with a Tottenham shirt on for a very, very long time. So, you know, he's he's got his opportunities. Um, they've come today, but he's going to get a few more coming and it's up to him to take it forward. You know, um, I felt that in pre-season when we had, I think it was the Leicester game and the Leicester game got cancelled. I think he was supposed to start that game. Um, and I think the fact that he didn't and got injured and got a knock really kind of hampered his chances to kind of have an impression over Ange Postacoglu. But I thought today he put in a good shift uh, and enough for Ange to kind of go, all right, and cool. Well, I can work with that. Do you know what I mean? All right, we're back down to the bare bones. But I think that that's a player that I can work with. You know, does he fully trust him right now? I don't think so. But I think that his efforts today... Um, would have put him in the good graces of Ange going forward. But a great strike. It was a great strike. And, and you know, at that point, we needed to score. We were so on top um, that if we missed another chance, if we missed another opportunity, uh, I think the boys' heads might have dropped a little bit. Um, so I, thought, I felt he done well today, Chris. I felt he done well. Now, around 30 seconds later, Aston Villa had the ball in the net. Um, and for the first time that I've noticed anyway in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, we actually got a picture of the of the lines going across the pitch to see the offside um, Ollie Watkins. So the goal got disallowed. Of course, we went to VAR. Um, Dave, let's come to you because shortly after that, Rodrigo Benton Kerr went off injured. Guillaume Hoybier came on. We don't know the extent to um, Benton Kerr's injury 
as yet. Of course, this game today was uh, his first start since January, uh, of course, when he was injured at Leicester. Um, this is going to be a huge loss if Benton Kerr is out for some time again, isn't it? Absolutely huge loss. I mean, look, for me, I'm very excited to see what he can offer today. If he was putting in them performances last season in an Antonio Conte system, I can only I was only beginning to imagine how good he could be in an Ange Postacoglu system that suits the sort of player that he is, that we want the ball, we want to create. And for me, for that first 30-odd minutes, I was absolutely love seeing him back. He was really enjoying it as well. You could see it in him. You know, and it was it was showing us glimpses of how that midfield could take place with Papamata, Sam, Basuma, Madison and stuff like that, you know, that we have, you know, it was looking like we had good strength in depth, but unfortunately, look, there was always a risk that he could pick up another injury after coming back off such a long layoff. And it turns out he has. Look, I, I'd argue Matty Cash's sole position was to come in and leave one on bed to court today and take him out of the game because as soon as half uh, time came and he'd done his job, he was hauled off. Um, but he's going to be an absolutely huge miss going uh, forward. Like, we've got games coming ticking fast over this period. And at times, you will have to rest players and bring in someone like Bentecourt. And, you know, when, when you do that, you don't see that massive drop-off in quality. But, yeah, he's going to be a huge loss going forward. Look, touch Woody ain't out for too long. Hopefully, um, you know, it's only something minor. But it's not looking good. After him. And, and, look, I fear for him as well. I just hope that he can keep his head right. Because if it is another long layoff after, after already having a long layoff, it can have a detriment, detrimental impact to your psyche. So, look, my worst fears are coming true. Worst fears are coming true with, ben, with, with Russian and Ben to come back. Me, personally, I would have said ideal time, getting ready, fully ready, fit for, you know, January when you were losing Sarah Basuma to AFCON and stuff like that. But we've had to rush him back. Uruguay brought him back as well. I just think with the game midweek and maybe this game today, maybe it's just too much for a guy that was out for so long. Yeah, it's a funny one that, Dave, because uh, Postacoglu said in his press conference that he thought it was a positive thing that he went off to Uruguay and played for his country and trained with them as well because, of course, game mm. time and getting him back to match fitness. Of course, uh, he had to start the game today due to suspension yeah. and injury. Um, Josh, let's come to you. In the 35th minute, Kulusevsky shot just wide. Four minutes later, Johnson, um, Brian Hill decided to putt or tried to pass uh, and not shoot. Um, that is another frustrating one. Um, in the 44th minute, Hunmin Son had the uh, ball in the back of the net. Hoybier, what great work from him, what a great ball. And I tell you what, I looked at Hoybier, as soon as the ball left his foot, Hoybier knew, his face uh, gave it away. He knew that Hunmin Son was offside. Um, I must say that it was frustrating today that Hunmin Son was offside on a number of occasions. Uh, he certainly has to work on that in the future. Six minutes added time at the end of the first half. Pau Torres... Uh, of course, got the equaliser, Douglas Luis, with the assist. What did you make of the goal that we conceded? It's gutting, really, to concede at that time. I've always maintained when I've watched like games with my dad, conceding right before half time just gives the provides the the, the other team of a massive incentive. They go into half time with fire in their belly, with the like they they want to go and win it in the second half. It's the best thing we've done it before. Where we've gone and grabbed that that late goal in the first half, and it just it, it does wake you up as a side, and it definitely harms the us as the home side and uh, conceding that. Uh, so it's, that was very frustrating after a half where, like you said, we had so many chances, Chris. We, it shouldn't have been 
an equaliser from Pau Torres. It should have been maybe a, a consolation of uh, a four-one or a three-one with the amount of ch- chances that we had and just couldn't put away. Um, so that yeah, it was incredibly frustrating. But nevertheless, it was a, a good header. Um, it seems like we have struggled with with those types of floated in balls for quite a long time. Um, I remember a few years back we played Everton, and there was a very similar goal at White Hart Lane, uh, which was scored against us. So yeah, it's it's frustrating, Chris, and I hate to concede before half time. Um, we've got to do better. We, we we've got to do much better. We've got to put the chances away so we're not actually in that position. So we don't give the incentive to the other team. And we've got to actually defend properly. But like I said, we, we, we're going to struggle to to, uh, to do that with, with no Mickey van der Ven and no Romero because it's their job to, to sort that out and prevent Paul Torres from scoring. But we haven't got any big centre-backs in there to do that job. Uh, so that's killing us. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very annoying. It is actually... It, it's. I'm getting more frustrated as I listen to the boys. It's 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 ah, oh, it's it's annoying. And I just looked at our, our form is the worst form in the Prem now, Chris. No other teams lost three in a row, uh, apart from Burnley, who just keep losing every game. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not looking good. It's it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, half-time score one-one in the 52nd minute. Shot from Aston Villa. Vicario saved. Um, he hit the post. Seemed to go uh, past him or behind him. Uh, a couple of minutes later, Kulisevsky crossed. Uh, Pedro Poro couldn't quite get there. Ricky, it seems amazing to me that so far this season, the 13 Premier League games, Kulisevsky hasn't registered one assist as yet. What did you make of him today? Um, you know what, with, with Kulu, I thought he done well in a number 10 position. I thought he could have had two goals today, as we've said, in that first half, which would have notched his stats up a little bit. And I think his assists, uh, I don't want to say what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to say it how it is. You know, I think he would have had at least four assists if it wasn't for Richarlison. He's put it on a plate for Richarlison. I agree. At, le- at, at least four four times. I want to say six times, but at least four times he's put it on a plate for him. And Richarlison has done something else where he, has, he hasn't converted the cross. So th- that has kind of affected Kulu's stats. But he is an ever willing runner he's got a ton of effort he's got a ton of fight within him he's got a ton of ability within him um my fear is that we do what we've done with Hoiberg which is run him into the ground I don't know if you remember when we first signed Hoiberg and we had nothing in the middle basically it was so easy to get through our midfield it was so easy to kind of run in on goal that when Hoiberg came in he was doing everybody's jobs he you know not only was he centre midfield but he was covering left back he was covering right back he was covering every position that he could cover and I felt that that you know we played him every week and I felt that we ran him into the ground a bit and then that's when his kind of form started dipping back then and and that's my fear with Kulu right now is that because there isn't anybody else right now and because of the way in which he plays he's tall he's strong he's he's fine to kind of get into a one-on-one battle and dribble around a guy he's happy doing that he's not afraid of those things he's he's happy to kind of get stuck in 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 the opposition's box and um you know, so I don't think his stats kind of reflect the performances that he's put out there. I think that, um, you know, some of the teammates could have done better with the with what he's provided. But he has also kind of passed when he should have shot many a times mm. this this season, as as 
the, the boys were kind of alluding to there. Um, there's been times where he could have taken the opportunity, but he tried to do something clever with it. You know, he tried to dribble instead of shoot, or he tried to find a guy instead of shoot. And I think that that's hurt him a little bit. But I, I love Kulu's work rate. I love his he, he's, he's fight. I love his effort. I think he's got bundles of ability. I think we do have to also remember how old he is. Um, he is a young player. I know he looks like a older player. He looks like a more senior player, but he is a, a younger player and there's still so much to come from him. Um, I think with the first, if we had our full, fully strength first team, I think his stats would have been a lot higher as well because with that fully functional, fully strength first team, there are so many other threats that the opposition have to be worried about. They've got to be worried about Madison. They've got to be worried about whoever's playing on the left side. They've got to worry about Sonny. They've got to worry about, you know, uh, Basuma and and, mm-hmm. and and Saar. And, and they've got, you know, they've got to worry about uh, Pedro Porro and, and your doggy. And, and when it's kind of chopped down to what we've got, it's easier to kind of double up on Kulu and try and nullify his game. Because they know that the rest, you know, if he, if it goes out to another player, they're not going to be as much as a threat as those bona fide first team players. Do you know, you know what I mean? So um, I, I've got a lot of love for Kulu. I think there's a lot more to come from him. Um, I don't blame him for today. Um, I think that he put in another great shift, not only at number 10, but then when he had to sw- switch to the right as well, which are, are two different positions. You know, they're two different um ways of playing you know uh, alongside the wing you're up and down you're bombing you're, you're helping your your right back as well as kind of bomb up the field and help your attack when you're in the middle there is a little less to do but you can reserve your energy for those final thirds do you know what i mean you can come back you can help out your defensive midfielders but at the same time your job is to kind of find the pass and to be creative in the final third and I, you know, I just think I, I think it was just a tough, frustrating game for everybody, and I, I, I think, you know, I don't always see Kulu's head head drops, drops, but I, I saw his frustration in his face and in his body, you know, especially like seventy minutes on, especially when Aston Villa scored that second goal, you could see how frustrated he was, and you could see how kind of heartbroken he was in a sense, you know, for all the efforts that he put in. Yeah, well said, Rick. And uh, I certainly wasn't going to get on uh, Kulisewski's back. Uh, I, I thought I'd ask the question, but I'm certainly not getting on his back. So if anyone thought that that was the case, that, that, that really isn't. Um, Postacoglu, um, in an uh, interview after the game, said, not happy with the defeat, but as a manager, I saw loads of positive things today. Uh, the players did a job in playing the way that we want to play, uh, but it's about fine margins. It's disappointing outcome, of course. Dave, let's come to you in the 63rd, uh, Sorry, in the 61st minute. Ollie Watkins uh, scored Villa's uh, winning goal in the end uh, to put them 2-1 up. A great one-two with Tielemans. Um, it's weird because Tielemans is a player that we were linked with uh, in a number of previous transfer windows. Of course, then went off to sign for Aston Villa. Ollie Watkins is a player that we were linked with many, many times. Um, I'm going to ask it. You know, Would you have liked to have seen either one of these or, or both of them in a Spurs shirt? Yeah, Tillemans, I really like him. We've been tracking him since he was 7, 16, 17 years of age. And like, we followed his career, you know. Um, for whatever reason, we didn't decide to act on it last summer when he was on a free. Was that because he was off the back of a uh, you know, poor enough season that season with Leicester? It may have been. But for me, you've got to 
maybe look look at the circumstances around the club, but also look at the quality of the player. He should have been a no-brainer. We should be in the market for that sort of player, especially if he's a free. He can't be passing that up, or at least not contacting his represent uh, his, his agents who represent him. In terms of Ollie Watkins, I mean, look, we know what happened there. We just didn't want to meet Aston Villa's demand for the... Or not Aston Villa, we didn't want to meet uh, Brentford's demand for... For the player, you know, Aston Villa stumped up the cash that we didn't want to pay. We didn't think he was worth that. So that's why we missed out on that. But that goal itself, I mean, I was screaming at the watch along, you know. I knew something bad was about to happen. I said, you can't let him drop out like that unchallenged and let him get on the ball like that. Uh, you know, you just can't. And then he does a one-two. And again, all you got to do is track the run. Don't do it. It's an absolute shocking goal to concede, but it's... Yeah, look, it, 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 now that you've uh, brought up the point of it's a, a combo of two players that we've been linked with for some time, it really does make it even more of a sucker punch, to be honest with you. But look, for me, it was a preventable goal. All Davies has to go. All Davies has to do is go with Watkins, put a bit of pressure on him, force him backwards. He, he, he didn't. He let him get on the ball and play. So again, it's another goal that's avoidable. It's disappointing. Um, you know, we could probably say you'd kill for Ollie Watkins. Now we've got no Harry Kane, right? Well, in the 67th minute, Pedro Porro had a shot saved by Martinez. Davis then went close. In the 70th minute, uh, a good save from Vicario from a, a Dean free kick. A minute later, Villa went close, uh, headed from a corner. Uh, then Brian Hill went off. Oliver Skip came on. A couple of minutes later, um, a good save from Martinez, just denying um, Hoybier, as you mentioned earlier, Ricky. Um, in the 74th minute, um, good shot from Kulusevski at the goalkeeper, comfortable for Martinez and then Ollie Watkins missed uh, a decent chance from just a couple of yards out. He, he headed it wide. Uh, couldn't believe that. Um, Bile's then come on for La Celso. Hunmin Son had another goal disallowed. Emerson Royale then went close. And then, of course, it was the full-time whistle. Spurs won. Aston Villa two. Um, Josh, I want to come to you. Um, sorry to speed that second half up like that, but there's no point uh, crying over spilt milk, as they say. Um, I know for a fact that Spurs are going in the right direction. Yes, it has been three defeats, but when we get some of these players back, we will see vast improvements. We all know that deep down, uh, no matter whether we're a positive fan or a negative one or whatever you feel, you know, it's, it's the way it is. Um, Josh, Manchester City up next. Now, yesterday's game, I don't know whether you watched it, Manchester City won, Liverpool won. Uh, Liverpool got a good point, in my opinion, because the previous 23 home games for Manchester City resulted in 23 wins. So their previous 24 home games, 23 wins, one draw. Um, how do you see this game going next Sunday? Uh, I know the guys have already mentioned about team lineups. Do you think that Postacoglu will go with the same starting eleven if Benton Kerr is fit and able to play next week? Will it be the same starting eleven? Or will he make changes? Uh, Manchester City, we know, of course, are Premier League champions. This is going to be an extremely tough game. I know in recent seasons we've managed to get good results against Manchester City, but I do feel that this is a lot harder game now with the injury suspensions that we have. Um, Basuma is back, as Postacoglu said earlier. Romero is still suspended. Uh, Manchester City at the moment is sitting second in the Premier League table, played 13, won nine, drawn two, lost two, a goal difference of plus 20. We certainly know that they can score goals. They've got 29 points. Erling Haaland is in exceptional form. Uh, 50 Premier League goals for him, the fastest man to get to that milestone in just 48 games. How do you think this game is going to go next Sunday? Could be a cricket store. 
It literally could be a cricket score, Chris. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to turn up and, and turn them over like we did with, with that game under Conte with Harry Kane's header in the last minute. Magical uh, a result. And we do have a good record against Man City, despite all of, all of your uh, facts about Man City's kind of greatness and their success. Um, we do seem to be able to get a result against City. But I think with, with our current situation, I don't think we're gonna we're gonna get a result. We'll we'll turn up. We might grab a goal. It might, someone in the comments section said we will. I think Stephen says we will lose four uh, one. We've we've turned up to the Etihad a few times and, and and got and kind of conceded four before. And I think this situation with our defensive woes without Romero playing two wing backs at centre back against the likes of Erling Haaland, I don't think it's going to be pretty watch at all. Uh, even with a with a week off, if it's if it's next weekend, and I think there's Champions League this week. I'm not sure if City are playing midweek. Um, they got RB Leipzig at home, yeah. Tuesday yeah, night. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think we'll be able to turn them over just with the cards that we've been dealt. However, if we did have uh, our first team without uh, all these injuries, in a perfect world in a kind of utopia where it didn't all go wrong against Chelsea, I think we would have been able to actually give it, kind of hand it to City. Uh, like These past three games, if we had Madison in there, if we've got Mickey van der Ven and Romero, I think we would have kept our, our run going, but that's not how it's... Let's, let's not be around the bush. Let's not think in utopian terms. That's not how, how it's gone. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not too confident about that game at all, Chris, in all honesty. Um, it's, it's a hard place to go, the Etihad. And like you said, they're, they're, they're a great team, City. And I think it's, it's more about... It is almost... It's a bit cliche, but I, I worry. Because the way that we play, when we play so openly, like you just, just described the, the second half of this game today with a, kind of a chance for, for Villa. And then we had a chance and we're going to struggle. If we play like that against City, they will rip us open with the quality that they have. Uh, and and the defensive weaknesses that we possess, uh, it's it's a strong contrast to the to the quality that they have. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a bit worrying. What do you think, Chris? What, what's your opinion about next week? Are you worried? Are you going up there? I'm going up there. Of course I am. But um, do you know what? Before I give my thoughts, I'm going to come to the most positive person I know in my life, <laughs> and the most positive person on this podcast, and the most positive person that comes on this show. Let's go to him first, and then get my thoughts after. Ricky Norwood. Oh. <laughs> Why did you do that? Come on, give us some positivity about next week. Um, I, I mean, okay. Um, all right. So I, I did watch the game yesterday, Liverpool, uh, Man City. And do you know what? Man City looked phenomenal. They just looked strong all over the park. They looked like there was always passing options. There was always attacking options. They never stopped, you know, uh, Ruben Dyer is at, at, at the back. He looks like a colossus. I think Carl Walker keeps, you know, he's evergreen. He just continues to just up his game and 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 keep that consistently consistency going. Um, you know, Rodri in midfield. I think that I think you know Doku on on the wing, who is just uh, he, not only is he rapid, but he's super skillful and he's super strong as well. And Ricky, we yeah. want positivity. I know, I know. I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to find some. No, look, I mean, look, with with Tottenham and with Angeball, you, you absolutely never know. And like you said there, it's about these players that are, are going to come in to take take their opportunity. 
Um, it's going to be, it's, it's at home next week, isn't it, Chris? Is it away? You've done it again. You've done it again. Oh, this is going to be clips. Oh, uh, it's all right. I, did, I, I didn't go nowhere. So it's all right. It's okay. I ain't got a ticket. Is it the Etihad? Is that the Etihad? So which is going to be another tough game. Do you know what I mean? So again, like you just said there about their stats, you know, I thought Liverpool were lucky to get away with that point yesterday just because of how dominant and, and, and how strong uh, Man City were all over the park. Um, but the premiership is the premiership. And it's not about being a crybaby. It's not about crying about the, your, your woes. It's about who's there, who's going to step up. And are these players going to step up to kind of, God, you got King Hoddle, you little <laughs> da. I want to swear so badly. Um, King Hoddle, for those listeners, that he just put a, a comment in and it's at Watford. Um, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. But those are the people who don't leave. know the Watford story. You better no, listen, that. leave it. Let's crack on with life. Goodness. Have we done a whole video on it? Bloody hell. All right, cool. Let's keep it moving. All right, so I, I reckon we could we could easily come away with a result. Do you know what I mean? I think that we could easily come away with a, with a draw if, if these players are up for it. The the, the worry is the defence. I think that having Basuma back is going to be a, a, is a plus. Depending on what Bentinkur injury looks like, we'll see how that goes. Because Basuma, Bentinkur and Lacelso could be very exciting in the middle there. Um, you know, Johnson coming back, he's got pace on that wing, so he could hurt him behind. Kulu, always a battler. Uh, Sonny loves scoring against Man City. So, you know, with this side right now, it's not about crying. It's about pulling your socks up and going, all right, cool. So we've got Man City next week. Well, let's go and show them what we're about. And I think that if they go and show them what we're about, I think we can come away with at least a point. Okay, that was that was positive, Rick, yeah. Uh, okay, um, I'll tell you what, uh, to answer your question, Josh, I'm very worried about next week. Uh, particularly uh, with the defence. I think if we go with that same defence that we we did today, I think we could be in uh, in a lot of trouble because Manchester City, they just don't miss a lot of opportunities and they are super powerful going forward. Erling Haaland is incredible form, as I said. 50 goals in 48 Premier League games is just unbelievable, sensational. And they've got goals uh, everywhere across the pitch. Um, Dave, whose camp are you in? Mine or Josh's? Or, or are you going for a... Uh, a draw that Ricky's going for. What do you think? I think I've got a put a, a fit in both camps. To be honest with you, look, it could go either way. Um, look, let's be honest about it, right? I'm worried about Doku down the right hand side. That's the side we tend to leave open. He, he's going to destroy us if we leave him open that side. I'm worried about our centre backs because I don't think any of them would be able to deal with the balls. You know that 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 city are constantly prodding, prodding and probing with over the top. Don't think they'll be able to deal with Haaland either. Um, however, if the midfield can make it a dogfight in there and we can retain possession, um, you know, hopefully we can go and create a few chances and nick it. Look, what I will say is the Etihad was quiet there yesterday. Pep Guardiola wasn't happy about it. I don't think it's going to be any more um, louder or exciting next week when we rock up. I think Man City might go into it a four sense of clock there. Uh, Security going, look, it's only Tottenham, I think, you know, and on the day, you never know. We might just be able to catch them out. But for me, go there, make a dogfight, rough them up, run harder than you've ever run before, be a lot more alert than you've ever been before. It's football. You never, ever know. It's when What, what I say about this club, Chris, is when, when everyone expects us to lose, we pull a victory out of the bag or we pull something out of the bag. 
and I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen again next week. I thought it was uh, a law that the Premier League were about to bring in, that we just beat them every single season. We take three points off them. We're one of the only teams that seem to be able to do it. So because it's Man City, and although we've gone up there many times under Conte and Jose, and people said we won't get a result, we have. I ain't writing the stuff on this one. As mad as it may sound, you know, if 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 if, if, if we can just lift them up and they'll take our chances, Look, see, you're going to score, so we're going to have to score them. But eventually, with the amount of chances we're getting, some of them are going to hit the back of the net. Someone's going to be on the receiving end, uh, you know, and get an absolute tanking. So, look, what a, no better uh, way to do it next week, right, when the whole world is watching. Let's get into score predictions. I'll tell you what, I'm going to try and remain positive. I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. What are you going for, Josh? Oh, I'm going to be really negative. I I agree with Stephen in the comments section. Just the, with the way that everything's going, I'm going 4-1 City. I hate to be so negative, Chris. Ricky? You know what? The one thing that we can't do is lose the game next week today. It's the one thing that we can't do. We can't let our heads drop. We can't be feel sorry for ourselves. We can't be like, oh, no, we haven't got this. We haven't got that. We've got to go out there and, like Dave said there, kind of showing what we're about. And those players that are there, they've got to step up. So, for me, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. I knew you would. Dave, what are you going for? Um, I'm going to take you on it, Chris. I'm going to do a Desmond uh, Desmond 2-2 for me. But, look, I would say Spurs fans, as hard as it is to take today, Let's not have a defeatist attitude about us going into next week. At the end of the day, it's football. Anything can happen. You know, even the most incredible man on the planet can have an off day. Hopefully, it's next week. So, uh, look, what, one thing I really do like that, I think it was Ricky said earlier on, that um, no matter what we're experiencing right now, I think we know that Angie's the right man going forward. So, you know, let, let's just get behind the boys and see what happens. Man of the match. Who would you man of the match to today, Josh? Oh, difficult one. Um, I know you, you're not going to agree with it, Chris, but I do think Lacelso, just for the fact that he didn't play, he hasn't played just, just for a long me, time. Give, give, give me a name. The stadium is closing in literally a few minutes. Lacelso. So come on, hurry up. Uh, Lacelso. Ricky, I'm going to go Pedro Porro, mate. Dave, Kulu sexy. Right, very last question for you all, and you've literally got one minute each. In the January transfer window, who would you like to see go and what players or positions would you like to come in? Ricky's going to get uh, uh, Dane, uh, uh, Christopher Dini. <laughs> um, yeah, for, for, for me, as long as they're an Ange Postacoglu player, I'm going to be happy. As long as he oversees it, as long as whoever it is, whatever position, whatever it is, as long as Ange wants that player, I'm going to be happy with that player. Um, because he's going to fit into the system and he's going to do a job for Ange Postacoglu. So whatever that is, we all know the weaknesses. We all know the, the holes in the squad. But um, as long as uh, Ange is happy with it, I'm going to be happy with it. Dave? Yeah, look, for me, centre-back striker, I think, would solve a lot of problems and just a dead wood out. That's what I would say. Josh? Uh, striker. There you go. Brilliant. That was lovely and quick. We'll, we'll do this. We'll, we'll have to revisit this at another time when the stadium isn't closing. Um, Josh, Ricky, Dave, thanks so much for joining me. Um, very quickly, each of you go around very quickly how we can find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment. 
on you can find me on twitter uh which is now known as x at ricky j norwood right down here and on instagram you can find me at uh, official ricky norwood where you get all my dancing and nights updates every single day wow josh josh uh yeah you can find me on twitter now i've actually got a account so yeah or x or whatever is all these names changing uh if you want to uh listen or read some mainly stuff about spurs but yeah thank you very much for having a good chat it's always a pleasure never a chore and look for me you can find me at the irish arts just type that in on youtube smash the subscribe button and my great looking face will come up thanks very much for having me enjoyed this lads well, thank you so much for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening, and uh, we will see you on the next one. Of course, we will be live after the Manchester City game next Sunday, where hopefully, hopefully, Spurs can get back to winning ways. It's going to be difficult, but we can all live in hope. Um, Ricky, Josh, Dave, thank you so much for your time. Until the next one, come on, you Spurs. Come on! days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.